Chapter Two of Mademoiselle Eeks by Lenoy Falconer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Evelyn had the discretion not to repeat Mademoiselle Eeks's somewhat enigmatical remarks, for however interesting it could not be said to come under Mrs. Merrington's favorite category of nice, and would have seriously disturbed that lady's opinion of her new governess, which was now very high indeed it was an undeniable fact that the children two girls aged respectively ten and eight and the boy who came between them had hitherto given a good deal of trouble to their governesses and the only moot point was whether this trouble was due to the incapacity of the teachers or the intractability of the pupils mrs merrington's decision may be easily divined she indeed herself found the children difficult to manage and was generally flushed and exhausted by an hour of their company but she consoled herself by describing what other people called disobedience as spirit and firmly believed that it was nothing worse still this view of the case did not affect certain troublesome results these however ceased with mademoiselle eeks's accession mrs merrington was no longer assailed by that odious and too familiar prelude i am sorry to trouble you mrs merrington but really the children complaints indeed she received by the bushel and this time from the children their new governess was they repeatedly declared a monster of cruelty who starved and ill-treated them and made their life a misery to them but the force of these representations even on mrs merrington's tender heart was diminished by the sight of the victims sporting joyously with their tyrant in the schoolroom gallery or the shrubbery walks or clinging fondly to her arm as she paced up and down telling one of her engrossing and interminable stories it is true that in school time their relations were not so pleasant then on the contrary it was war to the knife and many a weary battle was fought in which mademoiselle eeks triumphed gloriously in virtue of the tremendous power of inertia for when the children were in wild rebellion around her shrieking and gesticulating and tossing books and slates defiantly about mademoiselle eeks neither stormed like the frulein lectured like miss olivier or wept like miss west but sat quietly at her desk observing their gambols with a look of good-humoured attention and carefully noting with a bad mark every fresh act of insubordination it was not that she controlled her impatience she appeared to have none to control they agitate my nerves she exclaimed almost scornfully one day in answer to some words of condolence from evelyn poor little cats if my nerves were so easily irritated i should have been dead long ago freddy my cherished one behold seven bad marks against your name this indulgent frame of mind did not prevent her exacting the uttermost farthing of the penalty when the time of reckoning came which it did when the children were worn out with their exertions and mademoiselle eeks was fresh and unwearied as at the beginning of the day then that dreary score of marks had to be worked out in punishments of various kinds extra lessons had to be learnt play hours were curtailed fines were administered and sweets and puddings rigorously denied it was then that they recounted their wrongs to mrs merrington 
they forgot them altogether in the recreation hours when mademoiselle ixe worked with them in their gardens played with them at their games and shared in all their amusements with as much zeal as a child and a far less inconvenient affection for her own way than a child of their type would certainly have displayed do these games amuse you said evelyn once to mademoiselle ixe as the latter paused breathless beside her during a lively game of hide-and-seek in the shrubbery amuse me i should think not it is not for amusement i play it is to gain an influence over these funny little hearts after all they fatigue me less than the diversions of older people these only tire my muscles the others weary me brain heart and soul what would you to succeed in this world one must adapt oneself and one must efface one's individuality on every side do you efface yourself with me mademoiselle less said mademoiselle ixe laying her finger tenderly on the girl's soft round cheek and looking into her eyes with the smile that sometimes brightened and even beautified the dark foreign face character like fate is capricious in one corner of your fresh little heart there is something which responds to my withered one i am compelled to open it to you adieu i resume my role of baby this declaration seemed to throw some light on the protean character of mademoiselle ixe's moods which varied so it seemed to evelyn according to the society in which she might happen to be the mademoiselle ixe who listened respectfully to mrs merrington's reflections on things in general or mr merrington's views about cattle and turnips was a very different person from the mademoiselle ixe who unbent herself with evelyn the girl's growing admiration was at times disturbed by this flexibility of character which appeared almost to verge on insincerity and yet on reflection she could not accuse mademoiselle ixe of having under any circumstances denied herself or her convictions she avoided this apparently by a somewhat oracular manner of delivering her opinions evelyn was very anxious to take part in private theatricals i should so like to try and act she said one day in the drawing-room i wish mrs fox would give some theatricals as she promised she would and let me take part i think acting must be delightful it is a very important part of a good education said mademoiselle ixe i must say i am old-fashioned enough not to approve of young ladies acting observed mrs merrington i was not talking of acting on the stage madame this reply perfectly satisfied mrs merrington i thought you wouldn't she said complacently in my young days such a thing was never heard of and i cannot think it nice at all and as to ladies making speeches in public as they do now i think it most improper there is miss smith an archdeacon's daughter at the last meeting of the girls friendly society she stood up on a platform a regular platform with steps on each side and lectured away to us all she said it was not a speech because she read it from a paper but it seemed to me much the same thing in the end quite the same madame and there were gentlemen present too clergymen of course but it is just as bad if ladies can do such things at religious meetings they can do it anywhere i suppose really they might as well go into parliament at once quite as well madame ladies are too fond of meddling in everything nowadays and it is a very great mistake a woman ought to keep to her own sphere 
oh, i quite agree with you madame i thought you would now our last governess was quite the contrary she used to try and persuade me that ladies had as much to do with politics as gentlemen she must have been a very foolish woman madame well so i thought though she was very highly educated indeed almost too much so i think she had quite muddled her brains with logic and mathematics certainly she talked very well quite like a gentleman and had wonderful reasons for everything she used to say that women of property ought to have votes and she used almost to persuade mr merrington to take her side but she could not convince me with all her arguments no madame i am sure no arguments would convince you the last observation which mrs merrington accepted as a compliment struck evelyn as exactly the reverse and led her to review the whole dialogue but if a cloud of doubt or disapproval gathered in her mind it was dispelled directly she and her governess were left together by the magnetic charm of mademoiselle Ixe's personality in which sweetness irony and sadness were blended into the most bewitching whole if i were a man i should fall in love with you said evelyn thoughtfully one day heaven be praised that you are not then such a sentiment would be highly inconvenient for me and also for poor mr lethbridge mr lethbridge oddly enough did not reciprocate this kindly feeling from the first mademoiselle Ixe had inspired him with a vague sensation of distrust and suspicion for which he was unable to account having as he confessed no graver charges to urge against her than the enormous size of her feet and hands how could we expect him to like any one who is not english was evelyn's sarcastic comment perry looked deprecatingly at her but did not attempt to defend himself what is she french he inquired presently no she isn't french answered evelyn i think she must be german no i'll be sworn that she is not german said mr merrington whose mind had been poisoned against that nation by his experience of the frulein she is too clean for that but how odd it is you don't know said perry she's been more than a week in the house hasn't she haven't you asked her oh yes i have asked her said mrs merrington have you mamma cried evelyn what did she say well i don't quite remember all it was a very long story poor thing i can see she has had a great deal of trouble in her life and her family i am afraid have not behaved to her as they ought she does not care to speak about it much just as your aunt said you know and i am sure it is very natural but did you not discover to what country this ill-behaved family belonged asked mr merrington she did tell me at least she told me her mother was a native of blank i forget the name of the place but it is a very out-of-the-way town in italy or the south of france i think i fancy her father and her mother were different i mean belonged to different countries well i must say you do not seem to have extracted much information observed mr merrington i dare say she would have told me more if i had asked her said mrs merrington somewhat piqued i am sure i don't care whether she is french or italian or what she is she teaches the children very well and she seems a perfect lady i don't know what else one can want mrs barnes however wanted a great deal more she wanted to know once for all to which church or sect mademoiselle Ixe belonged i believe she is an italian protestant mrs merrington had replied you believe my dear mrs merrington 
is it possible you do not know do you mean to say she makes a secret of her religion mrs merrington hastily repudiated this suggestion she had approached the subject as delicately as possible with mademoiselle who had been perfectly open and communicative but her religious confidences did not seem to have left a more definite impression on mrs merrington's memory than the account of her nationality mrs barnes looked very grave i should like mr barnes to see her i think he ought to ask her a few questions when can you come down and have tea with us mrs merrington you and evelyn and mademoiselle Eeks? an invitation so worded is not easily declined and mrs merrington felt obliged to accept this for the following tuesday so on the afternoon of that day evelyn was sent to summon mademoiselle Eeks. she found the new governess in the schoolroom sitting on the floor and cautiously adding the last story to a tall and tremulous structure of wooden bricks whilst beside her a little wan-faced child watched the progress of the building with solemn intentness winifred who was generally crying when with her nurse and fretting when with her mother was comparatively placid with mademoiselle Eeks. a curious friendship united these two from the very first poor little one she is unhappy mademoiselle Eeks had once said in reply to some one who expressed surprise at her affection for this sickly spoilt and most unwinning child but the secret of winifred's attachment for mademoiselle Eeks remained untold evelyn delivered mrs merrington's message in a somewhat displeased tone and added i hate going to mrs barnes if she is alone i get tired of hearing her scrapey voice if there are other visitors it is not much livelier for they seem half afraid to speak or to laugh ah well it does not matter said mademoiselle Eeks philosophically as well be bored in mrs barnes drawing-room as anywhere else but i don't want to be bored anywhere such is youth do you know what a french writer has said at forty one thanks heaven when one is only moderately unhappy winifred my little one come into mademoiselle's room and help her to dress they found mrs barnes drawing-room almost crowded chance not mrs barnes was responsible for this she was especially anxious to have had the merrington party all to herself and accordingly visitors arrived from every quarter mr harold of stacy court on his way home from hunting lady duncombe and her daughter mrs mason wife of the curate at tidbury mr golding the new clergyman from barton of whom little was yet known save that he preached in a black gown mrs barnes however was not to be frustrated in her good intentions she found a place close beside her own for mrs merrington and established mademoiselle Eeks and evelyn on the opposite side of the room then when the whole party had been provided with tea and cake and mademoiselle Eeks might be supposed to be occupied with the conversation of those around her mrs barnes addressing mrs merrington began i had a letter this morning from my great friend miss west she was in florence two or three years ago and when there she heard a great deal about your present governess she was then giving lessons in a mr and mrs payne's family mr and mrs payne are very intimate friends of miss west's and very staunch church people it seems mademoiselle Eeks had been giving their children lessons in french and music for months but at the end of that time just when miss west arrived in fact 
they felt themselves obliged very reluctantly to withdraw them from her charge dear me as a governess they had nothing to say against her she taught very well indeed and the children were very much attached to her but it appears that she had no religious principles no religious principles none i told you that foreign protestants rarely had but this is one of the worst cases i ever heard of she went to the english church with the pains but they learnt by accident that a few months before when she happened to be teaching roman catholic pupils she always accompanied them to mass before that she attended the italian protestant temple with some protestant ladies in fact she went wherever her pupils happened to go at the time she was with them and on one occasion said mrs barnes sinking her voice to a tragic depth she took part in a unitarian prayer-meeting i am sure there must be some mistake my sister is so very particular and mademoiselle Eek seems in every way such an excellent person so kind to the children and so obliging and unselfish but my dear mrs merrington what on earth has all that got to do with religion as mrs merrington paused struck dumb by this unanswerable objection the door opened and mr barnes entered his arrival was very welcome to the whole company for at the other end of the room they were just a little dull a heavy though invisible cloud which often brooded over social gatherings in this neighbourhood had not been dispelled by tea the only topics afforded by this dullest of all seasons such as the state of the weather and the roads and the probable return of the cosmo foxes had been introduced and exhausted mr harold had attempted to bring forward his favourite subject the misdoings of the liberal government but the ladies were too feminine to take much interest in politics and he was in no way supported by mr golding who with an unmistakable frown was glancing over a church paper he had found on the table near him things had come to such a pass that lady duncan and mrs mason were now seriously debating whether the vicar's wife at tidbury by a more judicious arrangement of her house and her household might not find room for another servant i hope you are amused evelyn had ironically observed in an undertone to mademoiselle Eex. perfectly i thank you it is gay is it not ah for example no you english when you amuse yourselves are never gay you have a way peculiar to yourselves of doing everything it is very interesting mr barnes entrance and the greetings which followed broke up the stiff circle into which the guests had formed and revived the drooping spirit of conversation you are late my dear said mrs barnes carrying a cup of tea across to him where he stood near mr golding and mademoiselle Eex. yes i just stopped to look in at the church where the school-children are practising with mr morris he is teaching them that new benedictus then turning toward mr golding he added i do not know what sort of a choir you have found at barton i know nothing about it said mr golding curtly mr barnes opened his eyes and mrs barnes glanced severely at the speaker at another time she would not have allowed such an avowal to pass unrebuked but mademoiselle Eex at this moment absorbed all her attention the company became quite lively as every one had something to say about his or her choir and mrs barnes decided that the moment was favourable under cover of this 
to begin the investigation on which her heart was set she gave a premonitory cough for her husband's benefit and then observed to mademoiselle x in that forced and unnatural manner in which people are apt to speak when they wish their remarks to sound as unpremeditated and spontaneous as possible i hear you are a great musician mademoiselle have you had much experience in choir training church choirs i mean alas no madame i believe some of our choirs abroad are very good just now in the anglican churches that is i don't know if you belong to the anglican church the last sentence though worded as an assertion was distinctly delivered as a question and mrs barnes paused for a reply mademoiselle x hesitated only for an instant during which brief space her glance flashed from face to face of the trio mr barnes still standing still sipping his tea on one side mrs barnes erect and expectant before her mr golding who had tossed the paper aside with an angry pshaw and appeared now attentive to this dialogue then she looked downward and said pensively unfortunately no madame i have often desired to join your charming church but there are so many difficulties about it indeed said mr barnes laying down his cup to what difficulties in particular do you allude well first said mademoiselle x touching the forefinger of her left hand as if about to begin a somewhat lengthy enumeration there is the apostolic succession never have i been able to understand whether you possess it or not is that all cried mr golding it is certainly not an article of faith said mr barnes in reply to the tone of mr golding's comment still no doubt the question is a very important one for our right as clergy of the catholic church of england to exercise our priestly functions rests entirely on the assumption that we possess the apostolic succession exactly what mr jones used to tell me said mademoiselle x clasping her hands then i must venture to differ from mr jones and mr barnes too said mr golding with the aspect of a man preparing himself for battle our right to exercise what mr barnes calls our priestly functions by which i understand him to mean our right to conduct the public services of the national church rests on no such assumption and it is well it does not for as a matter of fact historical fact we do not possess the apostolic succession and that is what mr brown used to assure me cried mademoiselle x despairingly you see my dear madame how embarrassing all this is for a foreigner it is not at all embarrassing cried mrs barnes looking angrily at mr golding if you will listen to mr barnes he will soon make it plain to you or to any one else that we do possess the apostolic succession i defy him to do that cried mr golding mr barnes would willingly have adjourned the debate to a more convenient season if not for ever but neither mrs barnes nor mr golding would consent to this and thanks to these ardent and uncompromising spirits a prolonged and animated debate ensued in which mademoiselle x and her difficulties were very soon forgotten it raged with undiminished ardour when mrs merrington and her companions were obliged to take their leave mrs merrington drove homewards in the carriage leaving the other two at their own especial desire to follow at their leisure and on foot it was very quiet and sweet and cool outside the vicarage they stood for a few seconds by the gate 
looking back over the churchyard and the gardens with a pleasant sense of rest after storm it was the evening of a rainy day the thick unbroken cloud that covered all the sky was lifted towards the west above a deep of purple pale yellow whilst the glow of it streaming faintly over the creeping river and the sodden meadows folded as in a mystic haze the massed darkness of the church and the star-proof blackness of the yews beside it lights sparkled brightly in the chancel windows the children were still singing and through the open church door their fresh young voices upborne by the roll of the organ rang forth triumphantly even the words they sang were audible to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace mademoiselle x smiled as she listened and uttered a sound which evelyn thought was like and yet strangely unlike a laugh she looked quickly and curiously at the foreign profile standing out in almost discordant relief against the peaceful english background do these words amuse you she asked amuse me oh no still sung like that in a land like this they make one smile as one smiles over oh my lovely child can you imagine what the shadow of death is no answered evelyn with a slight shudder can you i i am one of the people who live continually in it come it is late we must go as they passed the little village post-office the postmistress's daughter with a letter in her hand hurried out to catch them i beg your pardon miss for troubling you i am sure she said to evelyn but do you think as this could be for any one at the mansion tis such a strange name we don't seem hardly to know how to read it evelyn took the letter from her its thin envelope was covered with foreign and english postmarks and numerous addresses all erased but the last it is not for any one i know said evelyn after a glance at the very singular name which was all that was left of the original direction excuse me said mademoiselle x it is for me she put out her hand and evelyn of course instantly resigned to her the letter mademoiselle x put it in her pocket the postmistress's daughter retired satisfied and relieved and the two ladies walked silently home if mademoiselle x's thoughts were busy over the inside of the letter evelyn's were no less occupied with the outside for she had seen enough of it to be positively certain that the mysterious name upon the envelope whatever it might be bore not the faintest resemblance to x chapter two